contractor's journey to self-mastery requires discipline, integrity, and respect. Welcome to Hammer and Grind. Welcome to Hammer and Grind, the podcast built for contractors, real contractors, true stories, real solutions. My name is Brad Hebner, and I will be your guide on your journey to mastery of your construction business. Hey, you can connect with me on social media at Hammer and Grind Podcast. Check out our free Facebook group called the Contractor Profit Group, where we have lots of free trainings and conversations there to help you in your business. Or if you're ready to get off the crazy cycle and learn a proven system for creating a winning contracting business, consider joining my coaching group called The Profit Club. Listen, I'm so confident that you will succeed in my program. I'm now offering a 10x guarantee. If you don't make at least a 10x return on your investment within a 12-month period, I'll refund you the full amount. No questions asked. You can find out more about that at hammerandgrind.com forward slash The Profit Club. On today's show, we have a special guest. I'm super excited about it. We've been trying to get her on here for a while now. Uh, Alicia Austis with AO Financial. She is my personal bookkeeper, and she is a certified mastery level profit first professional. That's a mouthful, Alicia. (laughs) When it comes to running a profitable business, most entrepreneurs are frustrated with the amount of time they waste every month managing finances and figuring out how profitable they actually are. Alicia helps you implement a proven and easy-to-understand system for your money so you can get back to the parts of the business that you truly love while having the ultimate confidence your company is financially fit. Alicia, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. Yes, I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So like I mentioned in the intro, you've been a my bookkeeper for probably about a year and a half now or so somewhere around there, maybe two years, coming up on two years. Yeah, coming up in two years. And whenever I got into Profit First accounting, the, the idea, you know, something foreign to me and I really, like implementation of it was something that I didn't really want to get into. And that's where you came in because you're an expert in this. So before we dive into Profit First accounting, why don't you just give me a brief overview of your background, kind of how you got into accounting in general, and then the profit first method? All right. I am a self-proclaimed numbers nerd. Give me spreadsheets, like QuickBooks. I will plug and play and love like to do that all day, starting from high school. Just loved it when it was back in general ledgers, everything. I went on to college got my accounting degree. And then after that, I was on the big four. Uh, I did auditing for them. Hated doing auditing. You're everybody's enemy. (laughs) No one likes to be told that they're doing stuff wrong. So after that, I did a stint in tax for about 12 to 13 years. Loved helping people tax plan and be proactive, but also hated being, always looking at financials in the rear view mirror. People already coming to you 12 months after the fact, showing you what they did. A lot of times they had no clue. They handed you bank statements and then had you gather financials. They only were doing business because based off of their bank balance. So I really got sick of being reactive and I saw the need of being proactive with business owners. So I went out on my own to start my own coaching and consulting group around Profit First. Awesome. So, well, you got a, um, a little naive here. What's the big four? 
Oh, the big four, <laughs> big four accounting firms. Uh, it used to be the oh, big okay. six. Um, and then it was big four after Enron. So I went to work for one of them and they just kind of put you through the ringer. Ah, gotcha. It's like one gigantic building full of bunch of number counters and they're all trying to figure out things. Nerds. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be nice here. I'm not trying. <laughs> awesome. So, okay. So you got into, how long have you been in uh, working for yourself? Had your own business? Uh, since 2017. Okay. Yeah. And when did you get into the profit first accounting methodology? Profit first. Oh, God. I was familiar with it probably starting 2019. And then 2020, I reached out to Profit First. I had heard a podcast with Mike Michalowicz. He was on with Donald Miller from StoryBrand. And I was like, all right, like he's crossed my path plenty of times. Like I'm ready to go. So I call, gave them a call. And I think the next day I started becoming certified. So for those that don't know any idea of what we're talking about, Profit First accounting methodology or method is something that Mike Michalowicz, I don't know if he created it or not, but he wrote the book Profit First. Yeah, it's just called Profit First, right? That's the name of the book. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And he kind of simplified it to make it really easy to understand. There's another book that came out for contractors, Profit First for Contractors. I think that was Sean McCadden. Is that right? Did I get that right? Uh, Sean saying? Van Dyke. Sean Van Dyke, sorry. So the, both of those books are really good. I kind of like Mike's version a little bit better because it's kind of goes into more of the, it's not so much for construction. Both books are great. I would recommend obviously getting both books and reading them if you're a contractor. So he has a program then where you can be certified through their processes. I'm, I'm sure there's some kind of training or thing that has the application that has to go through to become a, and I'm, I'm assuming there's different levels because it's, you're a mastery level. So why don't you speak to like, what's the different levels and stuff? Yep. So they have a basic core level where you come in normally when you're when you're first beginning and you complete different trainings to become certified core level. Then you have the opportunity to stay at that level or become advanced and mastery certified. So with the advanced and mastery, we get higher access to to Mike Michalowicz. We get advanced to like more interaction with his business partner Ron. They do special trainings for us. We get to meet in person a couple times a year. We get we get additional access to additional trainings to advance our career in knowledge in business, profit first, all things. So I decided after core level to become mastery level certified. And there's a, there's a core group of us that get to kind of pick each other's brains and really learn from each other. So we're always advancing what we're presenting to our clients. Awesome. So like a kind of like a mastermind group within that with other certified professionals. Exactly. I've always wondered, and I, I'm sure he is, but Mike seems like a just an honest, genuine guy, you know, really wants to help people. So I've always liked all of his books, The Pumpkin Plan and everything that he's wrote. Really, really, really good books. So when it comes to uh, accounting in general, not even profit first, just like bookkeeping, accounting, we can specifically talk about bookkeeping, but what do you see most with contractors that is probably like the single biggest thing that's really hurting their business? in regards to bookkeeping and, and all that stuff? The single biggest thing is they don't have a system. It's kind of ad hoc whenever they you know have time, which is never. <laughs> so right. they really don't have a pulse on, on their business. They kind of stick a finger in the air and think, yeah, I think I spent about this much over here or uh, I have about this much to pay myself. They just don't have an idea. 
it's almost like the old shoebox accounting where they just put all the receipts in a shoebox and then hand it to you at the end of the year. And like, how much money did I make this year? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> and you're like, well, you actually lost $20,000. What? I have, you know, 15 in the bank. How's that make any sense? So I, I hate numbers. Like, I despise numbers. I, it's a part of the business that you have to do, right? Whether you have a bookkeeper or not, like, you have to do this stuff. And I think for most contractors who are usually craftsmen, you know, it's one area that we hate. And so we just kind of shove it under the rug and hope that one day it's, it works out all for the better. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I've talked to contractors that are like, even on Facebook groups, like even as, as little as last week, they're, you know, contractor Facebook groups and they're posting things like, hey, I have this situation with payroll and do I need to save money for taxes and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, just hire a bookkeeper, hire an accountant. Why are you trying to figure this stuff out on your own? You know what I mean? It's like, do what you're good at and then hire people for the other parts that you're not good at. Whether it's in-house or you sub it out or you hire a professional, whatever, stick to what you're good at and then hire professionals. So that's why I sought you out because I wanted to do the profit first accounting, but I did not, like I struggled really hard with the setup process because it is, there's a little bit of trickery that goes in you have to kind of manage it for a while. So without going like super deep into what, how it's all set up, like what is the, how, how would someone get started in, in profit first accounting if they were trying to do it themselves? Like what's the best way to do that? The best way is one, Profit First Nation, they have amazing resources and guides. So I believe it's ProfitFirstNation.com backslash free resources. But if you just type in Profit First Nation podcast, they have this whole podcast around start like implementing it yourself if you want. And then they have a lot of the spreadsheets and, and tools a lot of us professionals have. So if you're willing to go in and figure things out yourself, you have free resources for that. But biggest thing, read the book. And he, Mike is really good about explaining it step-by-step. And then I guess don't get caught in the weeds. Don't feel like your numbers have to be perfect to be able to start calculating and doing some of the stuff that he's asking you to do. It's better to start (laughs) and move forward than just to kind of get stuck and never, and never begin. Well, I have to remind you that we are contractors, right? So <laughs> sometimes following directions is not, that's why we became our own business owner. We don't like following directions. So I'm only speaking from my own experience. <laughs> so what's the benefits besides traditional accounting versus profit first accounting? The benefits of profit first, I feel they just... It gives you clarity over your finances without having to dig into an accounting system. You can log into your bank account and see right away what's sitting in your income account, like what needs to be allocated between different expenses. If you have a staff and you have payroll, you can see consistently if you're going to have enough money sitting aside to cover payroll and how long can you cover payroll for? You know, are you just meeting that next week's payroll or, or tomorrow's payroll? Or do you actually have a cushion? in case a couple jobs get pushed out and you don't get to collect those final deposits that you actually have money set aside to be able to pay your employees without freaking out. You it kind of puts guardrails on you. You can see how much is in your operating expense account. Gives you an idea, of, can you afford that new truck? Can you go replace some of your tools that 
your staff left on jobs and you don't want to go back to the customer and ask for just different types of things. It breaks things down without you having to be in the weeds in your finances all the time. But Alicia, if I look at my bank statement, it says I have $20,000 in there, then I can go buy a new truck, right? (laughs) Not if it's sitting in one account. If it's sitting in one account, you have no idea if it's a customer deposit. You have no idea how much of that is for tax. You know, have no idea what you can actually take home for owner's pay. Profit First just breaks that down. Again, puts guardrails around the money that you're bringing in. I think that the, there was three, when I started using Profit First, there were three main things that really, that I love. And even if you don't even use Profit First, like these should be three things that you probably do. One is having a separate account for deposits you know, customer deposits. That way you're not taking that $5,000 deposit, putting it in your regular account and then spending it on something else. That's huge for me. And then the uh, owner's pay, like the bonus, not the, mm-hmm. pay, not the pay, but the bonus, right? Yep. And, and three really is just the idea of having multiple bank accounts. Like just that by itself was, for me, really changed everything. But what I love about the the bonus pay type thing is where he tells, you know, you put so much in every month and then once a quarter you take half out as a bonus and that just slowly builds up money that way. And it, I always looked forward to your email. You're like, hey, it's the, it's the end of the quarter. What do you call that when you take out money? I for, you oh, like a, your, your profit distribution. Yeah, your pro, it's like it's time for your profit distribution. And I'm like, yes, I can go buy that gun I've been wanting to get. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it's permission to spend. <laughs> yeah, it's like this is just for you to spend money on. Well, I mean, you know, for your family or whatever, but it's not yeah. really to save. You're not you're not keeping that money to save to pay off a bill or whatever. It is purely your money to go have fun with. So, I love those three things. I mean, there's obviously way more than just that, but even just setting, you know, trying to run out of one bank account in my mind is crazy. Like just absolutely crazy. I did a video on TikTok about this. I think it was yesterday, actually, kind of just explaining how to have multiple bank accounts to to separate stuff. And, you know, people were like, well, I only have one bank account, but I'm a one man show. And I'm like, okay, but what happens when you start doing more work? Because I used to be a one man show. Like it starts to get crazy and it becomes a full time babysitting job of your finances. Right. And if you're not babysitting them, then you you know, you forget that you made that payment to something else and then you go to pay another bill and then you bounce checks and all these different things. What's the best benefit other than clarity on your finances? I mean, like as far from a stress point, like how does that benefit contractors when you start using profit first? If you're married, relationship with your spouse, just being able to actually start taking home a consistent paycheck, not just ad hoc when money flows in. I've ran into many contractors who don't pay themselves for two, three, four months. And then all of a sudden they get a big deposit from a job and they pull a chunk of that home to cover the three or four months of expenses that they're behind at home. Just the the relief that they feel when we've put guidelines around how they're allocating money and then taking a consistent paycheck home where it's, you know, not 2000 this week, and then, you know, go a couple of weeks and now we're going to pull 5,000, but then maybe next time it's only 1,000. When you're consistently bringing home a paycheck, it just alleviates stress. It allows you to plan on your personal financial side, but it also allows you to plan on the business side. Yeah. I, whenever, 
whenever you came on board and started doing stuff for me, I just remember that that feeling of having everything worked out. And then it's just like, once you figure out your percentages of for your distribution, it's like, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a, you're putting a hundred dollars in the bank or a hundred million in the bank. It's the same percentages across the board and you know where the money's going. I mean, you're telling the money how to work for you, right? As opposed to reacting to the money. We didn't really touch on it, but let's talk, I mean, why profit first? I mean, there's a whole methodology behind that. Like, what is that about? Like why implement it? Like why that specific system? No, I mean like the actual idea of of paying yourself first, the oh. profit first. Yep, yep. So the whole reason behind the profit first is you yourself took a chance, had a dream, started a business. You didn't start a job, <laughs> you know, just like you wanted the financial freedom. And if you are unable to A, pay yourself first or take profit first, you don't have a financially healthy or sustainable business. So it kind of helps you reverse engineer profitability back into your business by making sure you you have margins high enough to be able to allocate money to profit, allocate money for you to be able to take home. It just starts putting around guardrails on when you can start hiring people. Just all these different things, it's it makes, I feel like it makes business way more intuitive because you start with paying you and then work backwards on the expenses you're going to accumulate versus kind of the, like the old adage of tithing. You're always supposed to tithe from the top because if you tithe from, you know, the first 10, if you have a hundred dollars, you tithe the first 10% and then you have $90 left to spend. It's way easier to give that first $10 away than it is spend 90 and you only have $10 left. And now you have to try and give $10 away. It's, it's the same thing with business. It's easier for you to pay yourself first and then reverse engineer the growth of your business after that versus spend all of that. And now you have $10 left to take home. It's really hard for business owners to take that last little bit home and drain their company completely of cash. Yeah, I've been there many times over the years where it's like, you know, I have $2,000 in the in the account and I haven't paid myself that much. And it's like, yeah, but I need to have a buffer in there, you know, in case something happens or whatever. It, you know, it's a mindset shift in how to think about your business, you know, paying yourself first and then whatever's left over paying your expenses, right? I think Mike talks in the book about, you know, once you pay yourself, if you don't have enough money to pay your expenses, then you have to make some decisions on like, do I really need these expenses? You know what I mean? Do I really need you know, whatever software that costs 200 bucks a month, like, am I using it to its full advantage? Like it really forces you to look at where you're spending your expenses or what you're spending on your expenses. So, I mean, obviously you could overpay yourself, you know, a salary. Like if you're only, if your company only makes a hundred thousand dollars a year and you're paying yourself, you know, $90,000, you're probably paying yourself too much. So I'm yes. sure there's some like percentages or some guidelines of where you should be at, in relative to your revenue, is there like, is there any kind of guideline on that? Just because I, I, I get this question a lot. Like I know contractors that are doing five, six, 700, you know, a million dollars and they're only paying themselves 60,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And then I see some that are making, that are only doing 200,000 in revenue, but you know, half of that is their salary because they're small and lean. Like, is there some kind of guidelines on like what you should be paying yourself? Yes. In the book, there's there's a chart based off of what your real revenue is. So real revenue is what your sales are 
minus what you paid out in materials and contractors, because that's really what you have to play with. So if you're a five hundred bringing five hundred thousand dollars in sales, but you spend three hundred thousand on materials and contractors, you're really a two hundred thousand dollar business. So then you would take that two hundred thousand dollars, find where that fits within the chart, and then it gives you what your ownership percentage is. So normally any business that's under two two hundred and fifty or under, fifty percent should be going to the owner as owner's compensation. Typically at this level, you're still more than likely a one-man show or some part-time help. As you start getting above the $250,000 level, you start adding more employees. So then maybe your ownership percentage, the owner's pay percentage decreases, but now your profit percentage, what you get to take home in quarterly distributions increases because you're now bringing on people to do some of the work and you're taking on more of a managerial role. Awesome. So you said if you're doing like 250000 Mine, you know, after your materials, after subcontractors, that stuff, not expenses, right? Just, just the cogs, the, the cost of doing business, cost of goods sold that you should be doing 50%. So if you're doing 250,000, you should be making 125,000 a year. Correct. I know people listening to this right now are probably like, you know, their minds blown, jaw dropping. Like I'm not making anywhere near that much money. So is that a indicator of like, too much expenses, like they have too much going out in expenses, or what would you say would be more like if someone's doing two hundred fifty thousand a year and they're only paying themselves sixty thousand or eighty thousand or whatever? Like, what would you think mm-hmm. is going on with their business? One, I would look at a couple different areas because sometimes people could get confused with what they're actually paying themselves. So, yes, maybe their W two only says sixty thousand dollars, but are there personal perks that you're running through the company? that are really considered owner's pay that you wouldn't necessarily need as business expenses, but you run them through for a tax deduction. Are you driving a brand new truck that your business really doesn't need? Like you don't need that $80,000 truck to drive to the job site. Well, hold on. You know, Lisa, <laughs> I need that. I need that thousand dollar a month truck payment. Come on now. I gotta have, I gotta look good when I pull up on a job site. You do. <laughs> but you know, like in reality, you really need to look at what does it, what do you need to run the business and what do you want to run the business? So if you have a personal vehicle that's above and beyond what the company needs, you know, there's one, if you're job, driving to and from tr- uh, job sites, like if you have vans, like, yes, you might need a van, but if you are using your truck for personal reasons too, you need to start thinking, is that that's part of my compensation and, and figure some of that into it. So if you look at a couple of different of those like items, people really, you start realizing you're really taking more out of the company than what you think. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, uniforms, like, like I have uniforms for work, but that's what I pretty much wear all the time. Right. Cause I'm just wearing that every day. And so mm-hmm. it, in a sense, it's like not buying any clothes, you know what I mean? Because I'm, the company's paying for my uniform, which I'm wearing every day. That's a small example, but you know, cell phones and all that stuff that could be transferred over. I want to ask this question. This is more about a, just a general accounting question. Like having offices at home and like trying to write off that stuff. To me, that's like a gray area. I've heard things like if you do that and you move out, you got to pay some back and all these crazy different things. Can you like summarize just that aspect? I know a lot of contractors work from home and they may be missing out on deductions that they could get. Can you just speak to that for a second? Yes, this isn't tax advice. So confirm with your tax tax professional. (laughs) This is not tax advice. This is hypothetical. Yes, but it all depends on how you're structured. 
if you're an S corp, you technically can't take a home office, but like if you have an office over a garage, you can now rent yourself an office and then take a prorated portion of the interest, mortgage interest, real estate taxes, all that stuff. But now you're recognizing rental income on your personal return from the rents you're paying from your business. If you are a sole proprietor or partnership, you can take a home office. And yes, if, if you take actual expenses for the du- deduction based off of your square footage, when you go to sell the house, you're supposed to recapture the the portion of depreciation of the house, all of that. But the IRS has now implemented a simplified method where you don't go and calculate your utilities, your real estate taxes or whatnot. It just kind of based off of the square footage, it gives you a dollar amount. And a lot of times recommend doing that. So what I heard you say was hire a professional to figure that out for you. Pretty much. Yes. I mean, they're, they're, the, the rules are always changing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the government wants their money. They don't want you to have deductions. So they're constantly tweaking. You said, uh, but you said something about if you're a sub S, if you're an S corp, does that matter if you're an LLC as a sub S corp or is it just if you're an S corp? Nope. It's not, if you elected tax status as an S corp, the same rules would apply. Okay. You said, so you can't have an office basically at home if you're an S corp. Technically, I don't, you're not supposed to No, okay. but do okay. people do? Well, I mean, people don't yeah. pay taxes either. So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, cash jobs, you, all those right. things. So. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I didn't want to get too, I didn't want to go down that too much. I just, yep. that's, that's one thing that I always, I mean, a lot of contractors work out of their house and I've seen people say you should take deductions and not take deductions. And so I just want a little bit of clarification on that. Basically every situation is unique and that's why you need to hire a, a professional to figure that out for you. Yes. And I would even go as far as saying is, is one that has experience in construction because isn't it, isn't construction a little bit different in terms of like the cogs and how you do the bookkeeping than, than like a traditional business or am I just making that up? No, every industry is a little unique. Um, it is nice if you have someone who has that background, one that can help guide you a lot easier versus just giving you blanket general business advice. So it is nice if you have someone who specializes within your niche or niche. Gotcha. One other question I wanted to ask in regards to best practices, because I see this all the time. What's the difference between a 1099 like contractor who's treated as an employee versus a real employee? Because I contractors are terrible about doing this. You know, they just they have their buddy come work for them. They they they're basically an employee, but they send them a 1099. Like, what's that all about? Yes. So if they use your tools. If you can dictate when they need to be on the job and how they do it, they're an employee. So if they, if yeah, I mean, if they have no risk of loss, essentially the IRS will come back and say they're an employee. So like if they, if you have them come work for you and you quoted a client that it was going to take 10 hours and it took 30 hours and you pay your friend for 30 hours, like they had no risk of loss because what didn't matter how much time they, they put in, like. There's, there's, there's no risk of loss. I mean, it is such, it's such a great area. Another one is, you know, do they work for other people or, or do they primarily just work for you? A lot of times if, if you're their sole income, it, it really grays the area that they should potentially be an employee versus a contractor. Well, I think there's a lot of misconception that people believe that if you're an independent contractor, you, you get all the deductions. I heard this just the other day is like, yeah, I pay him as a, a 1099 because he can claim all the deductions. And, and 
in, in their mind, that may seem like a good idea, but really on paper, they may be losing money mm-hmm. if they're a 1099 employee. And so what about like if you do temporary assignment, like if I'm doing a project and I need a specialized person for a three-month project, can that be like a 1099 employee, even if I'm dictating like we're working eight to five every day? Like it's a short-term project. At the end of that, at the end of that time, you're done. You're not an employee anymore. Or is that another gray area? Another gray area. I mean, yeah. yeah. You just need to document. I mean, if they're if they're contractors, make make sure they're sending you invoices. I mean, if you have people sign contracts for different types of stuff, that typically lends to more of an employee-employer relationship. So it's really just kind of documenting. And then also the biggest thing is being consistent. Like if you pay someone a W-2 one year and then a 1099 the next year and then the W-2 and then 1099, it really gives the IRS, if you ever got audited, reason to say, hey, they're really not a 1099 contractor. They're a W-2. They'll go based off of how you've historically done it. So if you've always historically done a 1099, it might not be right, but you've been consistent at least with how you treat people. Gotcha. So the really the main differentiator is, do you pay them based on hourly, like how many hours they work? And can you dictate when they like have to work? I mean, isn't that pretty much the two main things? Yes, yes. And and again, and if they're using all of your tools and and everything, then it's like, are they really a contractor or are they really an employee? Because most contractors right. would have the specialized tools and stuff that they need to do the job that you hired them for. Right. I can think of one time I hired a, a buddy of mine. He he had a contracting business. He was a carpenter, and uh, I I had a kitchen that I was working on. And I said, Hey man, can you come and help me, you know, for a day or two days or whatever it was, I'll pay you by the hour. But it was just like him for those two days. And then he sent me an invoice and then I paid him. Like that would be an okay scenario, right? Cause it wasn't like an employee type thing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Even though I was paying him by the hour, it was still like a short term, like that was the contract we negotiated. Yes. Yes. I mean, again, it it seems fine, but just I mean, make sure you're make sure you're consistent with how you well, with how you handle everything. Gotcha. And again, this is all hypothetical. Like this yes. is not actual tax <laughs> advice. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> not actual tax advice. <laughs> so take it at your the, own risk. <laughs> the tax advice is hire a professional. That's the actual tax advice. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I didn't want to get you in trouble by getting out tax advice or anything crazy. I just, those are two things I see all the time is like home office and, and independent contractors, 1099. Really guys, just don't try to cheat the system. I remember one guy's like, well, I've been 1099 people for 10 years. And I'm like, holy cow. It's IRS found out and they could, just, I mean, they can go back years, right? And just penalize mm-hmm. you for all of that. Yes. Well, and the scary thing is if you hire someone who thinks that they should have been treated as an employee, they can file a form. And then now you're on the hook for paying all those back taxes for them that you didn't pay for as far as FICA. Yeah. And I don't even think a lot of people realize if they don't, you know, if they don't have insurance and you get audited, which you will get audited every year, mm-hmm. then they will charge you for the their workers' comp if they're not carrying it themselves. Yes. I remember when I was back doing taxes like 10 years ago, there was a roofer who hired independent contractors to come do different roofing. And his work comp audited him and he didn't have insurance policies. He hadn't gathered ins- insurance policies on a couple of his 1099 contractors. 
and he got hit with a $17,000 like premium because wow. they considered that if those contractors would have gotten hurt, he would have been liable. So then they hit him with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a whole nother thing. Make sure you're getting those, um, certificates of insurance from your subs every year mm-hmm. keep that up to date when the, I, I i have my audit i gotta do of course i've been pushing it off they've been sending me letters <laughs> we need you to do this audit <laughs> <laughs> again we hate doing that stuff because it's not productive for us right like it's it's not it's not making us money it's just stuff that we have to do and it's such a pain in the butt that, to do all that but that's the requirement of owning a business so when you can when you can offload like your bookkeeping you know, all of that, paying your invoices, payroll, like all those little things that don't make you money. It's so much worth it to have that peace of mind. And I don't have to worry about it. Like I just, it's, contractors are terrible (laughs) at Mm -hmm. charging. They want to get top dollar for their, what they charge, but then they don't want to pay anybody anything because they're like, well, I don't want to pay that much money. That's too much money. I don't want to pay a bookkeeper 300 bucks a month because that's too much money or whatever it is. And it's like, yeah, but you're spending 20 hours a month doing this task. How much money could you have made billing out 20 hours versus what you're paying for that professional? Yes. Right? Like it's, yep. it, Mathematically, it doesn't even make sense. But a lot of us contractors want to be cheapskates in our own business and then turn around and expect our clients to pay top dollar for what we do. And it's like, mm-hmm. it doesn't work that way. No, and not to get woo-woo, because I see this across all like industries. But when people start undervaluing other people's worth or what they can, how they can help you like by bringing in other people, it's like they have this closed fist. They want people to like have open fist, like an open hand when it comes time to pay them for their services and contractors. But anybody else, it's like they have this fist and, and, and hold on money. And I feel like, clients, customers, they can, they can feel that they can sense that when you're trying to go out and, and sell a job for, for people. Oh, absolutely. Like the energy that you, that you hold on to, you project it back out. So yeah, I mean, when there's a, there's a saying that, you know, we sell like we buy. And so if you're a cheap buyer, then you're going to sell like a, like a cheap seller. Like you're, Mm -hmm. that's, that's the, that's the, vibe you're putting out and then you're turning around saying, well, you know, cu- customers are all cheap and they don't want to pay for my services. Well, I mean, you're cheap too. Like you don't want to pay for services. So like you get what you pay for. Like, that's kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. it, whatever goes uh, in goes out, garbage yep. in garbage out. I mean, yep. that's, that's the equation. So this isn't a, a podcast to say you need to go out there and spend a bunch of money on people. But like just today, this morning, like, and yesterday I, a task in hammer and grind as far as managing people, you know, like leads and different people that are coming in. There's a, there's a software I can pay $27 a month that automates this whole thing versus me spending five to 10 minutes every time a lead comes in and having to put them in different locations and track all that. And I'm like, I don't really want to have any more expenses than what I already have. But if I look at how much time I'm actually spending, like $27 a month is nothing. Because mm-hmm. I'm probably spending, you know, three to four hours a month doing this task. Yeah. And it can I mean, be, you know, and it can be automated with $27. So a lot of time, and that's the same with like hiring bookkeepers or hiring attorneys for contracts or like all these different things. Yeah, they may be expensive. But the alternative to not hiring a professional is going to be way more expensive on the back end 
if something's not right. If your books aren't right and you get hit with a $17,000, you know, worker's comp claim or a deduction that you took that really wasn't a real deduction and all these different things that could happen, it's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. So, or how about just someone to tell you, hey, like things are getting tight. <laughs> are you closing a couple jobs? You know, so we can we can start allocating money. You know, just having someone watching your back. I mean, that mental that mental clarity, just knowing that you have someone else helping you out. One of the things I always I like about your services is when I get the email on Friday and you're like, hey, here's the updates of what's going on, and it's like we need some more money. Like we're going to, we need some deposits collected or we need to get those final. I mean, there's times where I just haven't invoiced somebody, right? It's like Mm -hmm. the money's out there. All I got to do is send out an invoice and collect it. Could be $5,000 or whatever. And you're like, yeah, you need to, you need to go get that money or you're going to run out. (laughs) So having that (laughs) accountability of like, Hey, you need to be doing this. Like that's, that's valuable in and of itself. One last thing I'll talk about that I love about what you do for me and, and really what any profit first certified accountant can do is it's basically when you need to buy it, make a purchase is allocating that money ahead of time. Right. So like we talked about buying vehicles and stuff and you're like, okay, the vehicle is going to cost this much. We need to make this purchase in the next two years. So therefore we need to set aside X amount per month into a separate account and allocate that percentage for that. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of us are like, oh, I need a new, I, I'm busy. I'm busy right now. I need to buy a new truck. I'll just go and get a loan, you know, an $800 a month loan for that truck. And then three months later, there's no work. And now you're stuck with a, a, a $600 a month truck payment or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So that, that's something that I really enjoyed about that process of how to do that. We're coming up on the end here. Is there any other things that you think are important about Profit First that we didn't talk about that we need to bring up? Um, just do it. There you <laughs> no, go. I mean, the, 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 the peace of mind that you're going to have around, around your finances. Like one, it's kind of like a budget, but it doesn't necessarily put constraints around you. It gives you guardrails, but then it also gives you permission to spend. I think that's where people are a little hesitant in Im- implementing it because they know they need some sort of system because what they have going on isn't working, but it's also nerve wracking to know what's going on isn't working. And so then with profit first, it gives you clarity, but it also gives you permission to spend. So if you have, you know, if you're allocating 30% into OPEX and you're really only using 20%, and so now you're carrying that 10% balance, you can go and get, you know, some extra subscriptions for stuff or softwares that make your life easier to replace those extra hours of, you know, moving leads from, like you were saying, for the Hammer and Grind podcast. Like you can manually do it, but you could also just spend $27 and have a software do it for you. So you can spend money if it's within your realm. And then it also just gives you a pulse on, you're not always overspending. Maybe you aren't charging correctly. So it really gives you kind of this pulse of, hey, my OPEX or my expenses are normal, but oh yeah, if I go back and look, maybe my margins have been a little bit off on what I've been selling. And that's really where I'm finding the feeling the pinch here. So it kind of just, it's a well-rounded like 360 approach, I feel. Yeah, I'd agree with all that 100%. When you were talking, it, it was reminding me about when you're not charging enough, right? And you said, because mm-hmm. your your expenses may be in line. Like you may be, ha- you may spend whatever 20% is on expenses. And that may be kind of a 
national average or in line with similar size businesses. But it could just simply be you're not making enough money. And that's what we talk about all the time on you know the podcast is you need to be charging higher gross profit percentages, a 50% gross profit. Because when you do that, now you can't afford to hire a bookkeeper. Now you can't afford to hire an attorney. Whereas a lot of contractors, and I did this for many, many, many years, it's like, well, I, I don't have the money. I can't afford it. So therefore, I'm going to go without it. And it was simply, I wasn't charging enough, right? It wasn't like I was out of line on expenses or anything else. I was just simply too cheap because I didn't fully understand what it costs to be in business. Mm-hmm. So I, I love the Profit First Accounting. Um, if you guys, if you haven't done it, go read the books, both of them, Profit First and Profit First for Contractors. If you're going to pick one, I would say read, just read Profit First, even though it does is for contractors. I think the other, Mike does a little bit better job, but I would recommend reading both of them. Final thoughts, Alicia, what's, I mean, what's your final thoughts on all of this other than go and, uh, hire someone or do it what's <laughs> what's the what's a departing tip that you have for contractors just start like just start just start like literally i've met people who are just on the starting block for two years they just can't push off and then i've had people who've started and they look back in a month two months and they can't believe how far they've come so just start it doesn't have to be perfect like like life isn't perfect you're meant to pivot so start and if it's not working pivot so yeah that's my party and that's my party advice just don't freak out just love start. it love it that's i mean really in anything creating systems marketing whatever just start like that's the hardest part is just start because a lot of us are perfectionists and we're like oh i gotta have it perfect first before i start no just start and figure it out along the way so if, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you or find out more about profit first uh, how can they do that uh, you can go to my website, which is alishaostis.com. And my last name is O-S-T-H-U-S. It's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one last question I like to ask everybody. What's, what book are you reading right now? Oh, man. I just started it. I'm actually <laughs> reading real estate. <laughs> Profit first for real estate investors. Oh, I, nice. I, I love reading about all the niches. <laughs> I didn't There's know they had one. For... Yep, yep. It just came out, I believe, in December. So... Yep. I go through and I read through all of the, the industry specific books, because even though it's specific for that industry, you can always bring it back for the clients that you work. Every author has a little different take on how they implement it. And I love getting those little nuggets and implementing it into what I do. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that. I actually do that in my own business with like, I'll watch woodworking videos or I'll watch metalworking videos. You know, I don't do anything with metal, but I'll see a guy use a technique and how he does the metal. And I'm like, oh, that would apply in, mm-hmm. in wood, you know, in construction. And I'll take that technique and apply it across there. So I love that idea. So, all right. Well, Alicia, I thank you so much for being on here today and sharing that knowledge with us. You can look her up if you got any questions. Like she mentioned, we'll put the uh, links in the show notes. Guys, as always, you can find out more about us on our social media platforms, Hammer and Grind Podcast, pretty active on TikTok right now. And don't forget about our free Facebook group, as well as our coaching program if you're wanting to step up your business. So I appreciate you all. And until next time, be the best you 